Today is the 18th day of January. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I am Brian, and it's a pleasure, of course, like every day, to be here with you and step away into the calm, into some serenity. Everything that's being, uh, you know, not, not cooperating in our lives right now, it'll still be there when we get out to the other side of this time. But our perspective may have shifted as, uh, as we allow the word of God to wash over us and into our lives and uh, just allow our souls to relax. This is a safe place and uh, we can breathe. We can exhale. So uh, we're getting to the end of another of our weeks together. Of course, this is our 18th step of 365 steps that will uh, take us through the entire Bible. And we've been reading from the New Living Translation this week, uh, which is what we will continue to do today and tomorrow. And uh, from our Old Testament reading, we'll be (laughs) reading... Let me think of how to say that. From the Old Testament portion of our reading, we'll read Genesis chapter 37 and 38, and uh, then we'll move into the book of Matthew. So, first, Genesis chapter 37. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, So you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and eleven stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked. Will your mother and I... And your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. 
Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. When they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. When he arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for? he asked. I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph replied. Do you know where they are pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told him. They have moved on from here, but I heard them say, Let's go to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traitors. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for twenty pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. Sometime later, Reuben returned to get Joseph out of the cistern. When he discovered that Joseph was missing, he tore his clothes in grief. Then he went back to his brothers and lamented, The boy is gone. What will I do now? Then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? Their father recognized it immediately. Yes, he said. It is my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap 
He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. His family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son, he would say, and then he would weep. Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was captain of the palace guard. About this time, Judah left home and moved to Adullam, where he stayed with a man named Hira. There he saw a Canaanite woman, the daughter of Shua, and he married her. When he slept with her, she became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and he named the boy Ur. Then she became pregnant again and gave birth to another son, and she named him Onan. And when she gave birth to a third son, she named him Shelah. At the time of Shelah's birth, they were living at Kadzib. In the course of time, Judah arranged for his firstborn son, Ur, to marry a young woman named Tamar. But Ur was a wicked man in the Lord's sight, so the Lord took his life. Then Judah said to Ur's brother Onan, Go and marry Tamar, as our law requires of the brothers of a man who has died. You must produce an heir for your brother. But Onan was not willing to have a child who would not be his own heir. So whenever he had intercourse with his brother's wife, he spilled the semen on the ground. This prevented her from having a child who would belong to his brother. But the Lord considered it evil for Onan to deny a child to his dead brother. So the Lord took Onan's life too. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Go back to your parents' home and remain a widow until my son Shelah is old enough to marry you. But Judah didn't really intend to do this because he was afraid Shelah would also die like his two brothers. So Tamar went back to live in her father's home. Some years later, Judah's wife died. After the time of mourning was over, Judah and his friend Hira, the Adulamite, went up to Timnah to supervise the shearing of his sheep. Someone told Tamar, Look, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. Tamar was aware that Shelah had grown up but no arrangements had been made for her to come and marry him. So she changed out of her widow's clothing and covered herself with a veil to disguise herself. Then she sat beside the road at the entrance to the village of Anaim, which is on the road to Timnah. Judah noticed her and thought she was a prostitute, since she had covered her face. So he stopped and propositioned her. Let me have sex with you he said, not realizing she was his own daughter-in-law. How much will you pay to have sex with me? Tamar asked. I'll send you a young goat from my flock, Judah promised. But what will you give me to guarantee that you will send the goat? She asked. What kind of guarantee do you want? He replied. She answered, leave me your identification seal and its cord and the walking stick you are carrying. So Judah gave them to her, 
Then he had intercourse with her, and she became pregnant. Afterwards, she went back home, took off her veil, and put on her widow's clothing as usual. Later, Judah asked his friend Hira, the Adulamite, to take the young goat to the woman and to pick up the things he had given her as his guarantee. But Hira couldn't find her. So he asked the men who lived there, Where can I find the shrine prostitute who was sitting beside the road at the entrance to Anaim? We've never had a shrine prostitute here, they replied. So Hira returned to Judah and told him, I couldn't find her anywhere. And the men of the village claim they've never had a shrine prostitute there. Then let her keep the things I gave her, Judah said. I sent the young goat as we agreed, but you couldn't find her. We'd be the laughing stock of the village if we went back again to look for her. About three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has acted like a prostitute, and now, because of this, she's pregnant. Bring her out and let her be burned, Judah demanded. But as they were taking her out to kill her, she sent this message to her father-in-law. The man who owns these things made me pregnant. Look closely. Whose seal and cord and walking stick are these? Judah recognized them immediately and said, She is more righteous than I am, because I didn't arrange for her to marry my son Shelah. And Judah never slept with Tamar again. When the time came for Tamar to give birth, it was discovered that she was carrying twins. While she was in labor, one of the babies reached out his hand. The midwife grabbed it and tied a scarlet string around the child's wrist, announcing, This one came out first. But then he pulled back his hand, and out came his brother. What? The midwife exclaimed, How did you break out first? So he was named Perez. Then the baby with the scarlet string on his wrist was born, and he was named Zira. Matthew 12, 22-45 Then a demon-possessed man, who was blind and couldn't speak, was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, Could it be that Jesus is the Son of David, the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, No wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too. So... They will condemn you for what you have said. 
But if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. One day, some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. But Jesus replied, Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. The Queen of Sheba will also stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, for she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, seeking rest, but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept, and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. Psalm 
16. A Psalm of David Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, You are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Proverbs 3, 27-32 Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. Don't plot harm against your neighbor. For those who live nearby, trust you. Don't pick a fight without reason when no one has done you harm. Don't envy violent people or copy their ways. Such wicked people are detestable to the Lord, but he offers his friendship to the godly. Okay, so we covered some significant ground, as has been the case most every day in Old and New Testament Psalms and Proverbs. Uh, they're speaking loud and clear and in the book of Genesis. So from our Old Testament reading, we're following the story of uh, well, we've been following the story from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. Of course, Jacob had a brother named Esau. And yesterday we kind of read the, the big picture of, of where Esau went and who his people became. And now we're settling into Joseph's family. And as we've uh, already covered, Joseph's name has changed to Israel. And his children then would become the children of Israel. And now we are beginning to uh, understand their stories. And so as we've begun that journey, we see that the brothers uh, have a little brother named Joseph, who they cannot stand because he's a dreamer and he's young and he's a little bit arrogant and they can't stand him because he is favored by his father. And uh, we read the account today 
of Joseph going back to Shechem. And remember, Shechem is the place where, where their sister Dinah had been raped. Uh, Shechem is the place where Abraham, Abram came into the land and was given the promise of the land. So we keep seeing this kind of geographical landmark because really important things in the Bible happened there. So Joseph is sent back because his brothers are apparently shepherding their sheep up at Shechem. So he goes there to look and turns out that they've gone on to Dothan. And we know this, how this story goes. They're going to kill Joseph. But instead, they sell him. So they human traffic their brother into slavery in Egypt. All right, I want to pause here and take us on a very, very brief little side trail, a little bunny trail, as it were, because I think it lays out context as we go forward. A few days ago, we read the story of Lot, right, and his daughters and their decision to you know, have sex with their dad. And, and there are other parts of that story where Lot was going to throw his virgin daughters out to the throng to be gang raped. And it brings up all kinds of stuff. Stuff that um, looks remarkably similar to some of the political uh, struggles in the world today. And so we can read certain stories and then uh, kind of basically back read our culture into those stories and just say, I don't agree with that story that's in the Bible. That's not how we should be doing things. So, for example, like, no, um, if there were a throng around my house, I would not consider throwing my daughter out to the throng in order to save my guests. Uh, even if those guests happen to be angels. Uh, although, at least to my knowledge, I've never had angels in my house. And I know for certain, certain I've never had my neighbors like surround my house asking that I send out my guest so that they can have sex with my guest. Like, I've never been put in that position before, and probably neither have you. But, uh, and probably neither had Lot, but we see that Lot is offering his daughters in that story, and so it gives us all kinds of heebie-jeebies, because we can't imagine that. And so because it was uh, like a, a poor, poor treatment of women in this case, then we get all patriarchal and um, have all, all kinds of questions. And uh, this happens in some of the letters of Paul, too. Like, I, I already know in the year the emails that I'm going to get. So I want to stop at this particular juncture where we are right now in the story and point out that Joseph's brothers human trafficked their own brother into slavery in Egypt. And there were no women involved in this. And what they did was evil. So let's just understand that although we are going to experience some raw and unfiltered stories in the Bible, when we back read our own time and culture into it, we're, we're missing the point. Part of the point in the Lot story was to show how evil the world had become. Part of the point of the story, because we're just beginning a very long story with Joseph, is to show how evil the world had become. Like it... it it wasn't just a sexist thing. And what we're going to see as the story of Joseph begins to unfold is that in spite of evil, there can still be good. In spite of darkness, there can still be light. Then we get into the book of Matthew and Jesus is, is, uh, is dealing with problems of his own because he's not, he's not 
playing along. Like Jesus looks now like a superstar communicator who has some pretty miraculous powers to back him up. And the religious leaders are checking Jesus out, but he does things that breaks their rules. And it's inflaming them because they think they're the keepers of the rules of God. And then here is God breaking apparently his own rules. Uh, when in fact all he's doing is showing them that the way that they had interpreted the rules uh, had gotten so backward that the heart and soul of why the laws existed in the first place had been had died. And so Jesus is being uh, accused of, of being a child of the devil which is where apparently he gets his power from. So he's healing people um, because he's empowered by Satan to do it. This is what the religious people are saying about Jesus. And so Jesus has his, his own response, right? And, and it's a logical response. A kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. That's more close to home. That's something we can probably really understand. And then Jesus says, if Satan's casting out Satan, then he's, he's divided and fighting against himself. What you're saying is not making any sense. But it's here that Jesus says something that is deeply poignant and that we should understand. Jesus says, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. So that is a pretty poignant statement. Every time we come around this territory, I, I, I think of the same thing in my life. Like this particular story and passage of scripture brings me back to a very specific place in my life, a very specific time. Uh, because I grew up the son of a pastor. And before my father was a pastor, he was an evangelist. So we traveled around a lot. Um, and so I was in church a lot. And the idea of blaspheming the Holy Spirit as an unpardonable sin somehow got etched into my childhood. And I lived in fear of it continually because how do you know? <laughs> how do you know? Uh, which may have shaped so much of my own life, just trying to know, like, how do you know when you're doing it right? Uh, because this was one of those things where this is an unforgivable thing forever and ever. How do you know if you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit? First, we have to understand what blaspheming is. So to blaspheme something is to defame and profane it. And we don't use the word blasphemy much anymore. And if we do, it's, you know, it's because it's in the Bible. And so we're specifically talking about God. Defaming and profaning God. So Jesus is having this confrontation uh, and being accused of casting out Satan by Satan. And then he turns to this blaspheming the Holy Spirit talk. And it's very like you can go, w w how are these things connected? They're connected because even though Jesus was accused of blasphemy, it was actually the religious leaders who were blaspheming because they were saying that what the Holy Spirit was doing through Jesus 
and the outward signs of healing and miraculous events, that these things were actually not from God, they were from the devil. Right? That's blasphemy. And Jesus is giving a pretty compelling and stern warning that, uh, you know, that they're not going to listen to. But where it does become poignant is whether or not we're going to listen. Because we might very easily say, I would never do what they were doing. I would never um, say Jesus was of the devil. And for that matter, I would never claim that about the Father or the Holy Spirit. Like I would, That would never be something that I would say. So who, thank goodness, I will not be committing this unpardonable sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Uh, which is good. And yet when the Holy Spirit resides within his children, his redeemed ones throughout the earth, and we look at those fellow brothers and sisters and in one way or another deny the work of God in their lives, we have wandered onto thin ice and we need to back away slowly. And that right there, that right there should penetrate the rest of our day. The uh, religious leaders of Jesus' time they get framed in the Bible as being antagonistic and just, you know, only out to get Jesus. And that's true. That is part of the story. But the truth is these were devout people trying to serve God who had been corrupt because the law had lost its spirit. And all they had left was a set of rules and ethics that they were to try to live by because if they could do them perfectly then they could become righteous before God. Like if they could obey the law perfectly then they could become righteous before God. So when Jesus comes in and starts breaking the rules he's completely shattering their paradigm. And uh, anytime your belief system gets challenged and some things get shattered that's very disruptive. So they're not looking at Jesus as the Messiah, the son of David, the son of God, anything uh, other than an, uh, a human being who seems to have miraculous powers, but it does not line up with their understanding of how things are supposed to go. So they determined that the only way Jesus could be doing this much good would be by the power of Satan, which makes no sense until we find ourselves doing the same thing. Until in small or subtle ways we find ourselves uh, not being able to figure out how God could be using that person because they are such a sinner or that person because they have done these things or uh, anyone over here, they've done, they're doing things in the name of Jesus that are good in the world, but they have some kind of dark piece of their history that we know. And so we can find ourselves blaspheming God inside of them because we are willing to deny God's power to redeem. So, Father, you have taken us through a big week, and there's just a bunch of stuff that, that you've brought up in one week's time. And uh, here, as we prepare to close, you know, reach the end of a week, you've left us with plenty to consider over the next couple of days. Holy Spirit, come, because we're realizing that, yeah, you're going to press in and you're going to touch all the soft spots, but it happens quickly and we're not always sure how to sort it out. And, and so we invite you into that disruption. 
So many times they're like, oh, there's too much going on. I got to slow things down when you are actually working in shaking loose things that need to fall away here at the beginning of the year so that you can actually answer our prayer of leading us on the narrow path that leads to life. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, into all that we've said today and throughout this week. Come, Jesus, we pray in your mighty name. Amen. DailyAudioBible.com is the website. It's home base. It's where you find out what's going on around here. So be sure to, uh, to check in and check it out. Stay connected in every way that you want to. If you want to partner with the Daily Audio Bible, you can do that at DailyAudioBible.com. There is a link on the homepage. Uh, if you're using the Daily Audio Bible app, you can press the Give button in the upper right-hand corner. Or if you prefer, the mailing address is P.O. Box 1996, Spring Hill, Tennessee, 37174. And as always, if you have a prayer request or comment, 877-942-4253 is the number to dial. And that's it for today. I'm Brian. I love you. And I'll be waiting for you here. Tomorrow. Hi, this is Valerie calling Southton McDonough. Um, I just wanted to call and pray for some of the um, prayer requests. Dear Lord, I just want to come to you right now and I want to pray for Marjorie and for her surgery that she's having. Lord, I pray that you will go before her and the doctors, Lord. And we know that you've already prepared a way. We know that you know the end. Lord, we already know that you know the end result and what will happen. So I pray, Lord, I pray that you'll just give everyone concerned with Marjorie's case wisdom to know the right thing to do, Lord. And I pray for her as well. I pray that you'll give her peace, give her comfort, and let her know, Lord, that she is in the palm of your hand and that you have already worked out the solution and that you already know what is best for her. Lord, I also want to pray, pray for, um, I believe it's Margot in Australia who is heading to Liberia. Lord, I, um, I listened to Brian's message today about being ready to go. Just go. Go where you send us. Go where you plant us. And Lord, I hear Margot's heart and I know how anxious she is for her family, how her, um, her heart is willing, but she's also torn because she's leaving everything she knows behind and her son just moved out. So Lord, I just pray that you give her an extra measure of peace. Sometimes, Lord, it's just a little bit harder for mothers to just let go of everything, even though we, our heart is willing and we're excited to serve you. But, Lord, I do just pray that you'll just give her a measure of your peace and your comfort during this time. And, Lord, I also want to pray for um, Brandon that just called in about needing reconciliation with his wife. I pray, Lord, you will work in that situation and allow forgiveness to come into that. Lord, and I want to thank you that Prodigal called in. What an answer to prayer that is. Thank you, Prodigal, for letting us know. Hi, D.A.B. This is Sharon from Southern California, and I just heard Prodigal's call, and it lifted my spirit. Prodigal, I am so thankful to God to hear your voice. 
I've been praying for you as everyone else has. I, I called on the 31st. I gave a little update. Things are worse between me and my daughter, and I've been feeling lost. I've been feeling empty. I've been feeling... Uh, I, don't, I, I can't explain it's how you feel when you love someone and they don't love you back. And I've... I, I've been functioning, but not, my heart has not been in in it. And your call was the first genuine smile I've had in all this time. And I thank you. I thank God because God is in everything and everyone. And your call reminded me that I am not alone. God is hearing me. He he sees me and, and, and that he's got me. So thank you, Prodigal, for calling in and letting us know that you're still fighting that fight. Give me encouragement and, and, and let me know that I can still fight the fight. It's not over. Thank you. Love you guys. Keep praying. I'll keep praying. Bye. Happy New Year. Bye. Hello there, Daily Audio Bible uh, family. This is Treasured Possession. Uh, The desire of my heart for 2019 is to go from faith to faith and not to experience periods of doubt, self-doubt, self-pity, despair, and going numb. And in 1 Peter 5, 6 through 10 and 2 Timothy 1 through 7, I see where they divide the place where my heart's desire and God's word are separated, my soul from spirit, because I have a default in those weaknesses. In the story of Lot, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, I saw uh, picture stories of how shame, which is what those things come from, can destroy your legacy. Lot tossed what was most precious to him to the enemy when in crisis, when God was fully able to blind the enemy and deliver everyone. How many times have I tried in my human reasoning to argue with Satan? Just shut the door, trust God, and invite God into my fear and grief. And shame can turn you into a salt pillar. Your flavor, your faith can just turn into a pillar of regret. So I cannot look back and let the treasure of my heart be my heart's focus, which is the loss in my past. And I can't let grief, pain, suffering, and the lies of the enemy invite me into the cave of isolation and despair. I did this for years and used food to numb myself instead of alcohol like a lot did. I let shame steal my identity. I let grief drown me until I could no longer show up for those I love and help them to discern by example how to endure in faith. So I pray. And I thank God because he's called us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for all you've done. Amen. Good morning, Daily Audio Bible family. As I've reflected on the last two years in the scriptures with DAB, I do so with such thankfulness in my heart. Nothing has changed me more in such a short amount of time than the pouring in of the scriptures in my life on a daily basis. In early January of 2017, a friend of mine made a Facebook post and attached a link to the Daily Audio Bible, and I will be forever grateful to her. I had always wanted to read through the Bible, but I would get derailed in that journey year after year until the DAB. I did finish 2017, and I finished it well. And then I just kept on going. 
I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit brought the DAB into my life for such a time as this. Little did I know how much this beautiful rhythm I was establishing would sustain me through two very difficult years. But God knew. So I really want to encourage new listeners to keep going with this and make the Word of God number one priority in your life this year. God has handed us His Word as food on a silver platter through this ministry, and He has seasoned it well through Brian's thoughtful commentaries. If you are a regular listener, I pray that you will use your sphere of influence to share the Daily Audio Bible. It can be as simple as adding a link to the ministry in your next Facebook post. This year I've added the DAB Chronological and Proverbs to my daily reading, and I'm very excited about that. So thank you, Brian. Thank you, Jill. Thank you, China, and to all of the DAB team behind the scenes and the financial partners who keep this ministry going. I seriously can't imagine my life without it. This is Marsha calling in from Monument, Colorado, praying for everyone that calls in. Hi, this is Scottish Tom from the Cleveland, Ohio area, uh, calling once again for Protocol. Uh, sorry, I'm a bit behind on the community prayer line. I'm still listening to last week's one. Uh, but I did hear your second call, and that was the message that I was hoping to hear. Um, but just know that we are all here for you. We're all praying for you, and you could do this. And call in as often as you need to. We're all praying for you. Good to hear your voice again, and good to hear that you're, you made that promise to, to stick with us. Take care. <laughs> 